of an episode today we got a a guy with 17 names you know you gotta love that you gotta you gotta know that anybody who has more than four names that's an interesting person so if you meet somebody in your day-to-day life at any point and he's like hi i'm ralph stephen james uh cory wallace (laughs) that's a guy you're gonna want to be friends with because there's a good chance. Oh, Richard, he's gonna be—he's uh, gonna be shooting up the <laughs> up the place one day. No, I don't—I don't actually believe that. But having too many names is annoying. And today we have an annoying guy that just happens to have, you know, thirty-six thousand names. It's—it's it's bizarre. And he is definitely an infamous mind candidate. He's, he's been brought in for many reasons, and I'm glad he's here. I'm glad we get to take part in discussing his journey to essentially becoming a part of this podcast. Because here we, we like to give you a story about a guy or gal who isn't so bright. Now, they could be a killer, yes, or they could be somebody who claims to have invented the cure for cancer. Okay? The options are kind of endless. So today, we're talking about a fella by the name. And this is, this is going to be fun. I'm going to definitely do my best to say it right one time. And then we are definitely going to uh, shorten it as we go through his tale. And it is Pierre de Bocoso, uh, Bocosel de... Chestelard. So Pierre de Bocoso de Chestelard. All right. He was a poet. He was hopeless, pathetic. And he was in love with Mary, Queen of Scots. And he died for it. Of course, that's sad. It's a very horrible way to begin this man's tale. But also, stay in your lane, right? Like, how many people have we heard? That have fallen in love with somebody that, at least in these times, you, you can't be in love with. Alright? There's many of us that have seen a famous celebrity, give or take, that we had a crush on. Maybe in our early years and not so much now, but it's definitely happened. And in most of those cases where it's an obsession... Alright, it turns from just, oh, this person is beautiful, to I have to do everything I can in my power to see this person, to be around this person, to feel this person. And it gets tragic. I mean, John Lennon's 
fan killed him. It's it's a crazy thing. But Romeo and Juliet, right? They weren't supposed to be in love. But of course, Romeo, he had to say, I love her so much, I'm willing to risk it all to somehow make that love come to fruition. Be more real, right? And that, in a lot of ways, is what we're kind of dealing with here. Because, especially back in these times, the guy wasn't at any level outside of being a poet to somehow, I don't know, be at least befriend the Queen of Scots to, to uh, date her or ask, even ask her out, right? It seems like that would just be a difficult thing to do. But anyways, Pierre Chastelard, being a poet, being in love with Mary, Queen of Scots, dies tragically, and it was preventable. So his intentions were good, and there was evidence that suggested that Mary encouraged him, but his unrealistic ambitions and inappropriate behavior is definitely a good reason for why he made his way to the Infamous Minds podcast. So like many of the people that we've also covered here, this Pierre is definitely a strange story. And it's only going to get stranger as we go. The tragedy is, of course, that he lost his life. He fell in love with somebody that might have helped encourage him to lose his life. Um, he was absent from the family tree. Mr. Chastelard was someone, after all, who had always had to be first. He was born in the southeast of France to a very important family. He was the grandson of a famous chevalier, or maybe it's Chevalier, uh, de Bayard. Uh, he had a long French nickname, meaning the knight without fear and beyond reproach. So again, super long names. Like, you only need one name, guy. And that started back with his grandfather. Like, how many names do you have to have? He's like, well, Grandpa had six, so... Now, he was the third son in his family. Chastelard, de Chastelard, could not expect to inherit titles or property. Sons that had three career options available at this point, four if you count sucking up to or living off older siblings, which many did, his, his options were actually only to the church or the military, and both of which de Chastelard was totally unsuited. His, contempt, his contemporaries thought that de Chastelard was extremely good-looking, not to mention incredibly charming and charismatic. This was his best choice, and he went to serve as a page. First in the household of Constable uh, Montmorency, Morency, uh, then in the Marshal Danville. Danville. It was in Danville's service that de Chastelard joined the Circus of Nobles, joined the circles of nobles who made it their business to hang around the court of King Henry II. Generally, they were kissing his ass and hoping for some form of notice or reward. So this is like, imagine Justin Bieber, right? And all of his friends that he had as soon as he got into fame, right? The guys that lived at his house, 
You know, they encouraged his stupid behavior that he certainly got <laughs> noticed for. And perhaps that was because they wanted, more than anything, to be noticed by Justin, right? Like, oh, you know, I was the guy that told him to, to build that slide into his pool off of his roof. Yeah, man, that's how he broke his legs. It was fucking crazy. But, you know, it was, it was my idea, so, you know, high five and all that, because easy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they would say. That just seems right to me. But you get it. I mean, many people throughout history have had hanger-ons. That's what they're called, right? These people that essentially just follow you around or befriend you, but they don't offer anything. They don't have anything to bring to the table, okay? They're not anybody who says, oh, you know, I also can manage your money or I I help make... It just depends on what type of career you're in, but imagine being an actor, musician, comedian, or writer, whatever. A director, I'd, I'd suppose. Maybe not a writer. <laughs> I don't think there's many writers out there that have people that are like, what's up, Steve? You know, can I, can I sleep on the couch or what's up? You want to go to dinner or something? No, I don't have any money. Right? I, don't, I just don't feel like... Whatever. It doesn't matter. But still, it tells you right now throughout history that this has been a common theme where those that have will always have people follow them that have not. And those people that do that are more than willing to do things for those that have to notice them. Right? Who knows what it's going to be? I mean, look at Steve-O. You want to talk about somebody who has a need for attention, he will tell you straight up. That's what it is. That's why he does what he does. But he doesn't you know, specify who he's trying to get attention from. Either way, it's attention. But back then, you were trying to get attention from whoever it may be. Now imagine Steve-O's position today. He has people that are vying for his attention and probably doing similar stunts that he would do, but but more specifically for his own attention, okay? But anyways, Pierre de Chastelard doing things to get noticed out there for uh, King Henry II. Now, this is what you could consider his undoing, okay? Trying to vie for somebody's attention, to be noticed by somebody who has more than he does because he runs into Mary, Queen of Scots, who's a teenager at this point, but she's married to the Dauphin. And the Dauphin, which sounds like some sort of weird mix between a dolphin and some other aquatic animal, it is actually the heir to the king, and his name was Francis. Now, Francis was younger, and he was sickly, relatively unattractive and small, but he had scored a trophy wife. Now, after he was born, as King James V of Scotland and King Henry II of France decided to betroth their youngsters, the better to eventually uh, screw over their mutual enemy, England. So their plan, of course, is to get them together. And after James goes on to die, more or less of humiliation after being soundly thrashed by the notorious King Henry, um, I don't know, eighth? Um, the King Henry had hoped to marry his son Edward to Mary. A lot of Marys here, right? Um, her French mother, Mary of Guy, sent the little girl who was five to live in France and be brought up in Paris. But while she was there, she did become very popular because she was pretty. 
She was lively. And she was one of those women, whether it was on purpose or by accident, that gave every man she ever met the idea that maybe, just maybe, she was in love with them. And that's kind of where we find ourselves here with Pierre, right? He meets her at this young age, an age of that, you know, he, he's trying to get attention from somebody. And here comes this beautiful young lady who also has royal blood. You know, he's not not royal, <laughs> but he's not where she is, okay? And she comes along and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, here I am. You know, I, I, I have a chance, right? It makes sense that I would have a chance. You seem to be giving me what is the idea of a chance. So um, now I'm in love, as well are the other seven dudes I'm with. So, and most of us have seen enough rom-coms to know exactly what kind of woman he's talking about or have dealt with women like this in our own lives. Where it's like, yeah, you know, Shelly was like that. Always made me feel like I had a shot, but she was way out of my league and I knew it out of the gate. But then again, sometimes that happens and, and you end up marrying that woman. Who knows? So that's where we are with Pierre. We, fought, we already know he dies. And why was that? What did Mary do to influence this? What was he willing to do? Besides anything, right? So pretty much everybody did fall in love with this Mary. Right? She's pretty. She had this charisma, this personality that made everybody who met her think that she loved them too. So Chastelard fell in love with her. He was already writing poetry for her, taking advantage of his reputation of descent from the family. Like I said, he wasn't unroyal, but uh, he wrote poems trying to court her love, in which the hopeless poet ex expressed his pure, eternal love for a woman he's well aware he could never be with. It's much like finding, you know, being in love with a, a star that you only know from television and trying to send them letters, get their phone number, and just going beyond any, I don't know, going beyond reasonable things because you, for some reason, also believe that this person might be interested in you for whatever reason. Now, at this time, it wasn't frowned upon to write poems to women that were married or women who were royal, okay? Because it was seen as Oh, you know, I'm just writing this poem to your wife, you know, to to uh, your daughter or whatever. But there's no intentions. This poem is not to get into her bed, okay? This is just me keeping it cool. This is just me being a good dude, writing something from the heart. Nothing. There's nothing to it at all, okay? Nothing. What are you worried about? But of course, that is very weird. So Henry II of France died a bit early from uh, jousting injuries, you know, that crazy thing. And the now 15-year-old Francis became king. So Mary and Francis appeared to have legitimately gotten along very well. Now, after all, they had been raised together since the age of five. So the relationship has been, it's, I don't know, that's a weird thing, but to have the I don't even know what you call that. 
the consistency of like, oh, well, we know that they're going to get married someday. I don't know. To have that in mind at such a young age, is it's weird for sure. But you also have to give credit to the fact that they did get along. And also jousting. I mean, what a strange... Do people still joust today? I would imagine like a recreational type of thing. You go to medieval times or something. Possibly. I don't know. Seems like seems like of all sports, it's like, yeah, this is good. We don't got to keep doing that, right? But uh, neither one of them actually ruled France. Their duty was gladly seized by Francis and Mary's uncles, the Guy brothers, the Duke of Guy and the Cardinal of Lorraine. So the young couple were happy, but not for very long. The sickly Francis soon fell victim to an inner ear infection that got out of control. And he died of a brain abscess soon after. So again, these times, this, this whole time that this is going on, this era that they live in, you could die of a fucking ear infection. I mean, come on. I, it, I don't know, I guess some people want to die in a cool way, right? Like an explosion. But an ear infection? Like that just, I don't know, it just seems like the last way most people would want to go. Like, yeah, the ear infection really got me. Took me out. So after this, the Chastelard's love poems to Mary increased in frequency and intensity. He obviously had reason, okay? So he wasn't just writing those poems because he didn't want to get with her. We knew that from the first moment, right? But Francis didn't know that. But Catherine de' Medici became a regent for Francis who was her, uh, the 10-year-old brother and the new king, Charles, I don't know, 9, 10? It's an I and an X. I have no idea. I can't read Roman numerals that quickly. Whatever, guys. <laughs> so King Charles, uh, you know, the new king, Charles, he had never liked Mary, okay? Wasn't into her. He sent her back to Scotland. But what does that have to do with Chastelard? He was sad, and he jumped through hoops, managed to get himself assigned to a party that escorted Mary to Scotland. So the guy's really, really going out of his way to just be around her. He finds out that she's getting kicked out, and he's like, well, I'll, I'm going with, so his love is real. So Pierre did make it to Scotland, but he was immediately sent back to Paris. And while in Paris, he was always trying to find a way back to Scotland. Um, he wanted to be allowed to join Mary's court. He managed to secure letters of recommendation from other poets who actually probably just wanted him out of the way. You know, a lot of poetry rivalries back in uh, back in this day um the article can't get into the complicated turbulent situation mary found herself in when she returned to scotland it was a mess 
and dozens of idiots working within this. And Mary herself was a bit of a dummy, made everything worse and some very bad decisions that we'll save for Mary's own story. Because obviously we can already tell that this lady, <laughs> you know, she's a special one. A very special one, I'd say. Either way, either way is fine. So as we continue the story, it's only going to get stranger because we already have a case of two people here that are very odd, right? Mary and Pierre and them coming together just makes you wonder how crazy can it get? How much crazier? How much? One of the bad decisions for Mary was to allow Young to chastelar, you know. like John Knox. They figured this was a scandalous sort of behavior. And no matter how innocent Mary's attention to de Chastelard actually was, to everybody else it looked bad. And in political offices, it was even worse. So this is just like regular, genuine public displays of affection. And again, because times were so different, you can see that people were like, oh my god, they're going to write in front of me? I have a wife and children. I have a wife and children at home. They're going to do that to me. How do you sleep at night? Like, I just imagine the guy, the John Knox guy. You're going to, I have, I have a family. Just bizarre. Like, what do you, what? What does that have to do with, so go away. Look away, man. Like you can imagine why people were dying of ear infections back then because they were dumb. Alright? They were their minds were infamous, to say the least. And that's where you, you hit the boodoomch jokes. You you get it. You get it. Alright? We're just living in your world, Pierre. At least for the moment. But Mary was looking for a Catholic husband from among the royalty of Europe. And after rejecting such possibilities as the Archduke of Austria because her uncles, the Guy brothers, had negotiated without telling about her about this first, she set her sights on Don Carlos. He was the heir to King Philip II of Spain. Yet another idiot who once tried to force a shoemaker to eat a pair of boots. So, <laughs> I mean... Carlos wasn't mentally stable, right? He wasn't he wasn't the guy who you're like, hey, I need some advice. He's the last guy. Um, and Philip also wisely kept a pretty short leash on him. So this came to nothing. Perhaps Mary was just lonely. 
She wanted uh, somebody who had more royal blood or something, I guess. But this is why she encouraged de Chastelard's attention. De Chastelard wrote Mary countless love poems, and she responded to many in kind. Her, apolog her apologetic biographers would have you believe that she was merely being polite, but I wonder... Most likely, Mary was frightened, homesick for France, confused about the political situation, and just wanted a friend from the old days. Clearly, she was flattered by de Chastelard's attention, causing the Protestant um, reformer and fireman John Knox to complain that he could never get in a meeting with her because she was always busy hanging around de Chastelard. So John Knox wanted her attention, huh? Is that what we're hearing there, Mr. Knoxy Knox? I have a wife and children. We hang out sometime. One, like for a minute. You're very pretty. <laughs> Just, I don't know what the fuck this guy's deal is. But Mary did uh, shower to Chastelar with gifts. You know, she's Queen of Scots. Uh, one of them were the finest horses in the realm. You know, people were like, holy shit, the guy's got a nice horse. It's like having a Lambo today, right? He also got clothes, um, and she always made it a point to dance with them during the New Year's Eve celebrations. Um, it was always a point in history that the Chastelard's idiocracy began to emerge in earnest at these points. So she's hanging out with them, buying them cars, buying them a pet. I don't know, does he ride horses? She didn't know. Can he ride a horse? Does he look good on a horse? Nobody knew, but he's got one. Okay, so at the very least, it's a pet. It's a responsibility now. That's another thing. I mean, a horse isn't... Unlike a car, you know, you get a car. There's maintenance, right? But it's not every day. You don't have to feed the car, right? <laughs> You're not feeding a car three times a day. But you have to feed a horse, you know? You have to fed it, fed it. Hmm. You have to feed it. You have to be its friend. You have to talk to it, right? You don't have to talk to your car. That thing doesn't have emotions, does it? Unless you're Nicolas Cage in Gone in 60 Seconds, it's just a car. He just hangs out in your driveway, and you sometimes put gas in him, oil, all of those things. But a horse, not very much like a vehicle at all. It sleeps. <laughs> it needs friends, family probably, has emotions, needs new shoes all the time. Yeah, brush its hair. It just seems like way more upkeep than even a car. Like, it'd be weird if you chose a horse over a vehicle today. In a lot of ways, okay? In a lot of ways. Not all of them, but a lot. You could make your argument for why it's better, but I, I still feel like you'd be like, well, I mean, come on. You have to feed it. You have to feed it, okay? It's a thing. It, it's alive. But much like being alive... Old de Chastelard was falling hard. He's falling hard. You know, the lady's buying him all these gifts. She's doing things that certainly make him feel like she has a thing for him. Okay? And boy, does this remind us all of so many relationships where we've been drug along for months after months. And you're, maybe even years. And you're being the best type of guy you could ever be. Or, or lady or whatever, you know. You're being the best you could be more than you actually ever are. And you, the relationship never becomes a thing. It, it just, nothing happens, okay? But the poet decided it would be in, an incredibly great idea if he stealthily crept into Mary's private chamber. He decided to hide under her bed 
He planned to leap out and surprise her once she was alone. And during this, he was going to declare his love. He's going to drop down on one knee and ask her to... Right? That's the idea? I don't know. Maybe. Now, despite his familiarity with the queen, he failed to realize her agents did nightly sweeps of her bedroom. And they found him hiding. Just a random fella hiding in her room. And they weren't so charmed. Mary wasn't either. She was furious. Maybe more about how it looked than anything else, but she banished him from Scotland. But like many who swear undying love and loyalty, the Chastelard tended to do anything. Anything other than go away. So now it gets to a point where this guy is so infatuated and he thinks for sure that she's infatuated as well, he's going to the extreme. Okay? Not the creepy. It's not even really creepy or strange yet, but extreme. And she's also giving him a lot of signs that are like, yeah, th there might be something here. But this isn't, I guess, maybe from her perspective, she she doesn't think this this is abnormal behavior on her part. Right? Just simply, oh, you know, this guy's a cool guy. I like hanging out with him. I like spending time with him. He doesn't seem to be able to get things of, on his own. Uh, maybe he doesn't want a horse. I don't know. Maybe he prefer just some newer shoes. I don't know. But he doesn't have it, so I like giving it to him because I have an abundance, okay? And it makes me feel good to give, you know, this person who obviously has things, a feeling for me, uh, good feelings as well. Because sometimes those gifts are a way to let you know, hey man, I really like you a lot, but there's not going to be a relationship, so here's this thing, right? Maybe that's just my my pers perspective on it. Like, oh, this is, I got a Game Boy, that, that's great. Thank you. But anyways, the Chasselard, he's, he's into her, he gets himself in trouble, he hides under the bed, which I, I mean, that's not creepy per se, but it is... It's much. It's too much. So she wasn't happy about this. But he wants to come back. He's still he's still into her, right? But she's not that into him. Maybe she is, but she's just afraid that it's going to make her look weird or just bad. I don't know. So de Chastelard, old Pierre, refused to leave. He went around hiding for two or three days, then he chose to burst into Mary's private chambers, unannounced, and that's just after she had gotten undressed. Obviously a horrible idea, because now Mary was surprised, and she's pissed. So de Chasselard was supposed to be back in France, and there he pro uh, probably aren't me and there aren't many ladies who were queen who would actually appreciate being seen naked by an uninvited guest. Most women wouldn't like that. So she screamed, which alerted her half-brother. He came storming in the room, presumably Mary covered herself up. But Marais, who was the brother, grabbed a chastelard and detained him. And that's when Mary was like, kill him. She said, stab him. He's a villain. She called him a villain. But Marais didn't do that. He refused to stab someone who was immobilized. Instead, 
they dragged the Chasselar down to the dun- uh, to the dungeons, you know, because they had them in their house, <laughs> or the castle, wherever it was. Uh, he was crying, screaming that he loved Mary, and he wanted her forgiveness. But his crime was bad enough to warrant some pretty serious punishment, okay? Things didn't, they didn't just go over and he got a slap on the wrist and got sent back home. As much as we would like to believe that that's what took place, you know, they, chances are slim. Not, a, not in these times, okay? Certainly not in these times. But the dude's in love. He's infatuated. He's obsessed at this point. You know, traveling from Paris to Scotland, doing whatever he can to be with her, be around her. And I think she did play into it for sure. So the punishments, of course, pretty bad because of what he was doing. Um, he refused an order to leave Scotland, purposely barged into the queen's room. Um, she'd been disrobing, and worse, he actually had a blade on him. The blade was all anyone needed. More than they needed to establish a charge of treason. He was then transferred to the dungeons. And there he composed numerous well-written and pathetic pleas to Mary to show him mercy. After a week in prison, he was marched to a scaffold in the winter of 1563. Always one for drama to Chastelard went on to make sure that his departure was remembered. He recited a poem about death on his way to the scaffold. He didn't write it. But after his head was in the noose and before the trapdoor dropped, a tearful de Chastelard looked in the direction where he thought Mary might be watching. Although she wasn't, he cried out for everyone to hear, Adieu, most lovely and cruel of princess, princesses. Even the final display of dramatics was seized upon by Mary's protestant enemies as evidence that the queen had behaved inappropriately. As he went to his eternal, his reward to Chastelard could perhaps console himself knowing that he would not be the final idiot associated with the hot but dumb queen. And let's be honest, that's, that's what she was. She, she had this guy killed. He was killed because he was in love with her and he, he went to the nth degree to be around her, to do everything he could to spend time with her. I mean, of course it's strange. But to go to the point of like, oh, he has to die. I mean, the guy looked like Charlie Chaplin long before Charlie Chaplin ever existed. He's got that crazy tiny mustache, curly hair. He's wearing an accordion around his neck. <laughs> he just, I mean, a handsome guy by all, you know, by the times, I guess. But of course, this, this queen, you know, she had that ability. So you can imagine there's many. There's many more than the Chastelard that lost their lives because of this. History will always remember the Chastelard as a lover, right? He's attracted to uh, a queen who everybody else was attracted to, who also had an attraction to uh, idiots. <laughs> so the circle continues. But even think for one minute he could have ended up with Mary for allowing that love to make him commit stupid, dangerous, and possibly threatening acts certainly makes the Chastelard one guy that we had to talk about here. So way back then, way, way back then, you had guys fawning over a woman for so long and feeling like, you know, she might have had the same same thoughts. 
Same feelings. Only to have your head stuck inside of a rope. <laughs> what the? But this is why we do this. Okay? Heed to Chastelard. Lard. Heed Pierre de, de Bascals. Guy's name. I mean, come on. It's like, I, I, I always have an issue with somebody who's like, you know, my name is John. Call me Jack. Okay? Or Richard. Call me Dick. Why would you choose that? But when your name is 65 syllables, right? Pierre de Chastelard de, de Scoville, right? Oh, that's too much. Just be like, call me P. <laughs> Just, or Pierre, even. Fine. I mean, who does that anyways? Outside of famous people, you, won't, you, you call a person by one name. It'd be weird in conversation. You're like, hey, Michael Jordan, um, do, you, <laughs> like, do you want something to drink? Hey, Michael Jordan, you can sit down over there. You would just be like, hey, Mike, right? What a weird ending to this episode, but thank you guys so much for listening. Support the show by visiting patreon.com slash pod culture, $3 membership, support the show, and also get early access behind the scenes, inside looks, and also podcasts that don't even exist for free. They're also still for me, but... Murder. You got murder.